Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, hello for those of you who don't know me. My name is Miria, and it's good to see you all here. I was wondering how many would turn up with so many houses not having power this morning, but it's good to see you all here. We're continuing our series on worship more than a song. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's from a song called heart of worship by matt redmond i always find this song ironic that it's a song about not singing so as we continue on The psalmist asks the question in Psalm 25 in the message version, what are God worshippers like? Their arrows aimed at God's bullseye. Arrows aimed at God's bullseye. So often we hear people talk about worship being the songs we sing in church on a Sunday, but there's so much more to worship. Singing songs about the Lord is great, Singing songs to the Lord is great, but it's not enough. In fact, it's a relatively modern thing that we talk about worship as being a genre of music. You know, on our Spotify, we've got rock and roll music and 60s and 70s and jazz and worship. Do you know that worship doesn't just start when the music starts? Last year, during COVID, we were not able to sing in church, but we still worshipped. We found other ways of worshipping together. And in fact, I think probably more so, because we actually had to be deliberate about what we worship. And not just singing words, whatever words are on the screen that have originated in someone else's heart. It became a lot more personal. The song lyrics I just quoted, Heart of Worship, was born out of an experience that happened in 1999 in a church in Watford, England, called Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor Church was doing quite well. They were getting a lot of people in. They were drawing people in. There was growth. It was going well. But the pastor, Mike Pilavachi, he couldn't shake the growing conviction that for all the good they were seeing, they completely lost track of what it is to worship. And they needed to get back to the basics and strip everything away. So he decided to get rid of the sound system and the band for a season. 
and I hear that Ross Trevor are doing that this morning. And he said to the congregation, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? What followed was a few awkward weeks with no instruments, no microphones, no leader out the front, no planned agenda of five or six songs rehearsed and ready to go. But eventually, heartfelt prayer and a cappella singing began to rise and the congregation encountered God in a whole new way. They understood more deeply the meaning of worship. And from that experience, Matt Redmond penned The Heart of Worship. So the question must be asked, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? We might not like certain songs that we sing, Some people love the hymns, some people like the contemporary music, some like fast, some like slow. But the style of music isn't important. That's got nothing to do with worship. It's just one of the very many vehicles that we can use to worship. Let's turn to John 12 and look at some people who used some other modes of worship. It'll be on the screen and I'm reading from the NIV version. John 12, 1 to 11. Six days after the Passover, have we got them? Yes. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Did you notice that there was not one mention of music or singing in this passage? Yet it's a beautiful picture of worship. Firstly, we see that Jesus was an invited guest. The dinner was being held in his honour, assumedly out of gratitude for what he did raising Lazarus from the dead, which we, is recorded in the previous chapter, in chapter 11. So these three siblings were all very grateful but gave thanks in three very different ways. Last week, Reuben looked at how we can worship God through our speech and thought life. And like him, I found it very difficult to fit everything into one message. There are so many aspects to worship. But one of the ways we can worship God 
is through our giving. And I've just heard a collective sigh, oh no, she's going to talk about tithing. Well, let me encourage you to keep listening and you might just be surprised. Giving is not just about our finance. So back to John 12, let's first look at Martha. Verse 2 tells us that Martha served. Did you know that one of the ways we can worship is through giving our time? We've all been given the same amount of time in our day. We've all been given gifts, talents and abilities by God. But how we use these tells a lot about our priorities. Ephesians 5 encourages us to use our time wisely and to make the most of every opportunity to glorify Christ by how we act and not sorry and to not not and to seek God's will in what we should do. Galatians 5 is also similar and apostle Paul exhorts us pull this tongue out and get a new one to serve one another humbly in love. When we use our time wisely and glorify Christ, this is worship. I don't mean we need to spend all our time on our knees in prayer, unless that's what God is calling you to do. But Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. When my children were quite young, before they started school, I was a stay-at-home mum. I felt that was what God had called me to do and that was my ministry for that season. However, after overhearing one of the pastors at church saying that they were struggling to find volunteers to help in the office during the week, I sensed God was prompting me to put my hand up. So for one day a week, I put my children into childcare, into occasional care, so I paid money to put them in there and then spent the day working in the office at church. So it was costing me financially, but I considered that part of my worship because I was being obedient to what God had called me to do. I was fulfilled and the church benefited. Daniel Meyer, a pastor from Illinois, in his book Witness Essentials, tells of an elderly woman who felt God encouraging her to look for ways that she could use her particular gifts and situation to minister to others. She lived alone in a small apartment near a large university and had her afternoons free. As she had a gift of hospitality, she thought about the students who were so far away from their home. She got a pile of cards and wrote on them, are you homesick? Come to my house for tea at 4 p.m. She put her phone number and address and then distributed them all around the campus. After a slow start, homesick students began trickling into her house week after week for tea. When she died 10 years later, 80 honorary pallbearers attended her funeral. Each one of them had been a student who once upon a time found a hot cup of tea, a sense of home and the gospel of Jesus in the hospitable heart of this one lady. We don't know the impact that our serving can have. We might never know. But when we put God first with our time, this is worship. 
But we must be careful to hear from God and find out what he wants us to do and not just try and do everything. Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean it's a God idea. I'll say it again. Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean it's a God idea. You might recall Martha in a different story that's recorded in Luke 10. She got upset with her sister Mary who wasn't helping her prepare the meal. She started out well. Luke 10.38 says Jesus came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So it was at her invitation that Jesus came to her home. But sometimes we can get so caught up busy working for God that we actually forget we're working for God. I'll say it again. Sometimes we can get so busy working for God that we forget we're actually working for God. We forget to worship him with our time. That's why pastors sometimes burn out and other people become disillusioned by the church and they feel unappreciated. They think they're doing the right thing by serving the church, but they're actually trying to impress man and not God. When we're serving God, when we're doing what he has called us to do, there is a grace that he gives us, meaning his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Another way we can worship through giving is by the giving of our testimony or sharing our story in honour of what God has done for us. In verses 9 to 11, we read that many people flocked to see Lazarus the man Jesus had raised from the dead. And it was because of him that many were believing in Jesus. Wow, what a testimony. Lazarus was a living, breathing, walking, talking testimony, literally. A testimony just means a retelling of our story, like in a court of law when you're a witness and you testify to what you observed. When you share your story with others or give your testimony... You're glorifying God because you are retelling an experience where God has shown his power or grace in your life and you want others to know this same God. This is worship. Sometimes we can look at sharing our testimony as something scary or too difficult, but it doesn't need to be. You know, if something funny happened to you at work or at the shops or something amazing happened... You would have no hesitation in recounting that story to your friends and family. This is no different. Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the wonderful things you have done. If God's done something amazing in your life, tell people. The more you do, the more you'll feel confident. Even if you don't see anyone come to a relationship with Christ, through your testimony, don't let it deter you. The results are God's problem, not yours. You don't know what seed you have sown because you worship God through telling your story. Lastly, we read of Mary in verse 3 who worshipped through giving of her most treasured possession. Mary took a pint of pure nard an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet as an act of worship. Nard comes from a flowering plant that is imported in the Himalayas, 
and when crushed, it becomes intensely aromatic. It's used as a perfume, as an incense, in preparation for burial, and as a herbal medicine. Here we see a woman full of gratitude. Jesus has done an amazing thing for her family, and she wanted to give something of worth back to him. What others saw as wasteful, she viewed as worship, and so did Jesus. In verse 5, Judas, Judas complained that the perfume was worth a year's wages and could have been sold and given to the poor. Now, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, as of May this year, the median Australian wage is just over 90000 per year. So we're looking at a perfume that cost potentially $90,000. Has anyone got a bottle of perfume that's worth $90,000? I keep looking at one that's about $100 and I think, no, nah, that's pretty expensive. But $90,000. When we talk about giving as being part of our worship, God doesn't actually need our money or our possessions or our resources. The psalmist tells us in Chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The emphasis is actually not on the money or even the value of our gift. The emphasis is on our attitude, our motivation, our heart. Where is your heart? What do you treasure? What would you find hard to let go of? If God asks you to give up something of value in your life, your car, your house, a credit card or a bank account, a regular income, shares or an investment, a piece of jewellery perhaps, I wonder which of these you would find the most difficult to let go of. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There's a Nigerian proverb that says, it's in the heart that does the giving, the fingers only let go. Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. Our jobs, our health, our possessions, our talents and abilities, even life itself is a gift from God. As I said earlier, people in general don't like churches talking about money or giving. And sadly, it's become a bit of a joke in the outside world as well. But it's okay, don't panic, I'm not going to ask you to give more in the offering. That's actually not my business, that's between you and God. What I will do is encourage you to seek God. This is part of our worship, seeking God's will in every area of our life, whether it's our thought, life and speech, as we heard last week, giving of our time, resources or money, or telling our story, our dreams or plans, or any other area of our lives. This is worship. Seek first the kingdom of God. When we make his will our priority, all these other things, all the things that we worry about, 
all our needs, God will look after those. There's another time I recall when my kids were quite young and we were struggling financially. We'd upgraded our table, got a bigger table for a growing family and we decided to sell our old dining table setting. And I felt God say to me, actually give it to a couple who'd just recently married and they were using one of those cheap outdoor plastic settings as their dining setting. And I felt God tell me to give them our dining setting. So we did. Around that time, it was coming into winter and we've got a combustion heater and we didn't have much wood left and we couldn't afford to buy any more. And so my husband was holding off lighting the heater to try and conserve the wood. And I said to him, God's not going to supply our needs until we have a need. So let's light the fire. Within that same week, the couple that we'd given the dining table to contacted us and said, we've just chopped down a dead tree. Do you need any firewood? The firewood that we received was worth far much more in dollar value than what we would have got for the dining setting. You can't outgive God. What's important, though, is to give with the right attitude. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says that God loves it when a person gives cheerfully. The Greek word is hilaros. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> is that right? <laughs> hilaros, which is obviously where we get our word hilarious from. If we give just out of habit or feel compelled in any way, then we might as well not bother at all. Where's the worship in that? I'm serious. If you're worshipping God, if you're not worshipping God through your giving, don't give. Because the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. When I give, I never give the same amount every week. I, I do online giving and when I'm about to make that bag bank transfer, I actually ask God, I ask the Holy Spirit to tell me how much I should give that week. So every week is different because I want my giving to be fresh. I want my giving to be an act of worship and not just something I do religiously every week without thinking about it. Romans 12.1 in the New Living Testament says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The message version says it a bit differently. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him. What's God done for you? What has he done that is far more valuable than your time or your possessions or that's worth telling your story for? Worship is worth 
Worship means to attribute worth to someone or something. When we look at our giving, whatever, whatever form that might be, as being part of our worship, we see that worship is not about the song. It's about the value we place on who we worship. The heart of a worshipper is not ritualistic. It's not doing the same thing every time. It's outside the box. Worship's not about a place. It's about a person. Worship is not about a posture. It's about a person. Worship is not about a song. It's about a person. When Paul was talking to the people of Athens in Acts 17... Verses 24 to 25. He said, God who made the world and everything in it is... Sorry, I'll say that again. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need anything. He is all sufficient. But he is worthy of our worship. So ask yourself, what can I give back to God in worship? Like Martha, seek God as to how you can give more of your time in worship. Perhaps helping someone with their shopping or chores helping here at Broadview on a Sunday or during the week, volunteering elsewhere, or even just spending time with God in your quiet times. You can use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you to bless others. Or like Lazarus, see God's leading and direction where you can give your testimony or who you can share your story with telling them about what God has done for you and giving them the opportunity to know Christ. Or like Mary, seek God's leading in how you can worship God with your possessions. Whether it's seeking his direction in how much you give in the offering or whether it's using what he has given you for his glory. Give your marriage to God as part of worship. Give your children to God. You know, when we dedicate our children, we're actually dedicating them to God and we're saying, God, they're in your hands. My son's not walking with God at the moment, but I know I dedicated him as a baby. So that's God's problem, not mine. He belongs to God. And I know God will keep him. Giving what you own, using that for God's use such as using your car to pick up someone for church on a Sunday or opening up your home like the elderly lady that we, read, we heard about. Has God been speaking to you today? Is he challenging you to step out of your comfort zone? Is he inviting you to worship in every area of your life?
If I can have someone distribute the communion emblems, just while I'm continuing on. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When we think about the magnitude that God has done for us, the immeasurable sacrificial gift that he has given to us, the question demands to be answered, how do we respond to a gift like that? How do we respond to his amazing love and sacrifice? The simple answer, we worship. We do what pleases God and brings him glory. We express our love to the one who expressed his love for us in such a generous way. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You're rich. Did you know that? You are rich. When the Holy Spirit leads us to worship by giving, God is glorified. And through our obedience, others might come to know him as well. How do we put a price on the debts that Jesus cancelled for us, for you and for me. How can we ever repay him? Verse 2 of the song I read earlier says, King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath. Communion is also an act of worship. When we take this time to reflect on the amazing gift that we have been given, life, abundant life, not because of anything we've done, but purely by the love and grace of God. This is worship. 1 Corinthians 11.27 says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This doesn't mean that we can't partake if we've got sin in our life. If that were the case, none of us would be able to. It means that if we partake of communion without thinking... If we're just going through the motions, like I said before, without giving, without really thinking about it, without giving any thought or recognising who we are worshipping, then we're no different to the people who nailed him to the cross, who did not recognise who he was.
going to give us a moment just to contemplate if God's speaking to you at the moment. Just acknowledge that in your heart to him. And in a moment we'll partake. And then I'm going to read a passage out of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29, 10 to 18, which is a prayer of David. And then after that we'll continue singing. And it's interesting, I said to Steph, just seek God in what you wanna what you wanna lead. And she heard from God this morning. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. That through your death and resurrection, we have hope. We have life. We thank you for the incredible gift that we have been given and we don't deserve. Let's partake together. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honour come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. O Lord, our God, even this material we've gathered to build a temple to honour your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives and I've watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O oh Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everything that you have given us. We are nothing without you. We have nothing without you. May we always be aware that everything we have comes from you. And may we willingly 
give it back into your hands. Our possessions, our story, our gifts and abilities and talents, our marriage, our families, everything we have, we give to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.